Welcome to JSA TV Europe, together with the Green Data Movement for this quarter's live event focused on European digital infrastructure sustainability. I'm Jean-Marc Lima, and joining me today is Bardiwa Monzervi, co-founder and director of business development at Circular. Um, Bardiwa, so, so nice to meet you. Um, I think what Circular is doing, it's fascinating because it's really giving a second life um, to, to data center hardware uh, and the market itself. And of course, with it saving a huge carbon footprint from, from some of the, the operators in this space. Uh, but before we go into the company, let's kind of just set the picture um, of what's happening in, in, the, in the, the industry today. So what would you say are the three major actions um, that all operators should take right now in order to, to expand their sustainability efforts? Well, first of all, Joe, thank you for having me. It's, uh, it's a privilege to be here. And, uh, you know, it's also a privilege to be working in the, uh, the field of sustainability. And uh, for those that know me, they know that wherever I go, I'm always wearing my uh, iMason's Climate Accord badge and, uh, of course, <laughs> the uh, United Nations Sustainable Development Goals badge. I'm an avid supporter of sustainability, and I'm actually really happy to be in, um, in such a sustainability-forward industry. Uh, to answer your question, I think I would say I like to, to run by the motto of uh, uh, three main things that we can do as an entire industry is educate, innovate, and uh, collaborate. And within these three sort of main pillars, um, I think I'd like to uh, break it down into three sort of main components of sustainability in the data center and ICT industry. Uh, and for this, I look at the value chain. So we look at the, 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 the suppliers of infrastructure hardware and the construction companies. And then we look at the operators of the data centers, which you've got the, uh, the, the co-location providers and the cloud providers. Then you've got the users, the, uh, the people that actually use the data centers and take space in them. Um, I think one thing that we as a segment really like to do is put a responsibility on ourselves to be as sustainable as possible. And I think we should really celebrate this because the industry has been doing well in finding new methods of being sustainable and in achieving sustainability metrics and setting reasonable goals to achieve sustainability. But I think that the sustainability goes across the value chain, as I mentioned earlier. Um, I think as the operators one thing that they can do is definitely look at their suppliers. How sustainable are the suppliers in terms of the raw materials that are used? Are the raw materials ethically sourced? Are they uh, recycled? Um, is the, the packaging material used for the, the, the assets that they're developing uh, green and sustainable? Um, are the transportation methods sustainable? Then, of course, with the operators, we've got a, a huge amount of components that we look at with sustainability. Um, for example, uh, energy. Uh, the, the data center industry right now consumes about 200 terawatts, uh, terawatt hours of energy on a yearly basis. This is not an insignificant number. Um, and when we look at the numbers of the fact that 73% of the world's carbon emissions are generated from energy uh, consumption and production, this definitely puts a lot of importance on the energy consumption part of data centers. And we've been seeing a lot of innovation in this over the past few years. There are a lot of projects that are right now using 100% renewable energy. And in fact, some of the projects are, uh, are producing renewable energy for each megawatt that they consume. I think this is a great method to, to move forward with sustainability and reducing uh, carbon emissions. Um, I also think that there are other uh, uh, sources of energy that we can look at, for example, nuclear. In fact, I wrote an article about this just a couple of weeks ago in which I found that Nuclear energy produces 15 grams of carbon dioxide per kilowatt hour, uh, as opposed to coal, which generates 1,000 grams. Uh, it's, it's a huge, huge difference. Now, of course, when I 
drawing it back to saying educate, innovate, and collaborate, we see that when it comes to alternative energy sources like nuclear, there's a lot of education that needs to be done. Um, and of course, a lot of innovation is taking place. We see a lot of uh, innovation in the space of small modular reactors, which are tiny and can be fitted into a data center to power a great part of them. The way that I see it, if they're using them in submarines below the sea, why can't they be used in data centers above the ground? And of course, I also think um, there is a, a part of the responsibility goes on our end users as well as an industry. Um, as the, the providers of the data center space and as the suppliers, we can only do so much. At the end of the day, the, the people that are consuming our product, which is the energy and the space, are the, uh, the, the end users. We should also look into how we can sort of collaborate with them to ensure that the energy that we're providing them is being deployed uh, and used as efficiently as possible. Are the servers configured perfectly? Well, obviously, there's no, no such thing as perfect. But are they configured but in a way that the, the... No, exactly. Close to perfect. You know, I mean, if we have 99.99% uptime, That's very good. we can have 99% <laughs> efficiency as well, you know? Um, no, but I think it's a, it's a cross-industry uh, effort. Um, and there are other industries involved in this as well. I think the financial industry is, is also very much involved in the data center industry in terms of where the funding comes from and, of course, how the, where, where the, the users are coming from. And, of course, we see the legal space here as well in terms of the regulation. Now, there have been over the past few years some really, really good and impactful regulations um, that have been coming through. Um, and of course, as an industry, we're very self-regulating. You know, we're, uh, we're risk averse. We don't like it when the outside sources tell us how to operate. Um, but it's been really good to see, um, you know, the industry coming together, the, the, the leaders of the industry coming together and allowing a way for companies to benchmark themselves against one another to then collaborate and to reach those goals. Um, and I think to add to the, uh, the, the, the sort of three pillars of educate, innovate, and collaborate, I think we should also celebrate the successes that we achieve, amplify the voices of the, the successes that we have achieved in sustainability and in reducing our carbon emissions and, of course, being ESG-centric. Um, to go on a tangent about ESG, I also think that sustainability is about more than environmental conservation. I think there are so many other things that we should look at. Uh, for example, diversity, uh, we look at gender diversity, age diversity, ethnic diversity. Uh, we look at enabling uh, uh, sort of developing economies and, and markets to actually have access to uh, high quality equipment and a high quality of life. And I think as the, uh, an industry which is so tied into the, the core of everyone's lives around the world, I think there is a lot that we can do and celebrate in terms of our contributions to sustainability. Okay, there's a lot to dissect there. Now I'll get into the part of the um, diversity, the diversity, uh, diversification of talents and the enablement of new new ideas to flourish. I'll get into that in a second as well because I think sure. what circle that actually does fit quite well into that conversation. Uh, but I mean, you touched on a lot of things that are quite interesting. So I mean, educate, innovate, and, and collaborate. I think those three pillars are essential to to anything, not just sustainability, but are essential to any successful story. Um, I think the nuclear side of the conversation, again, for the education, especially. Um, there needs to be a lot more education. And we see that not just within the data center space. Actually, data center people might be a bit more open to nuclear than maybe the the the, the next person on the street. Um, I think yeah. there's a bit of a fight back on that sense. Uh, but there was that startup as well. They, were, they developed uh, a nuclear reactor that can produce one gigawatt of power. Um, it's a portable nuclear reactor. Um, so that 
there could be something coming up in, in the terms of what you just said. Um, it's just how will this be placed because we don't want a nuclear reactor to fall in the wrong hands. <laughs> oh, no, no, absolutely, absolutely. I, I, I agree um, with you entirely. Look, my, I'm from Iran, so I'm, I'm familiar yeah. with these arguments. Yeah, <laughs> I was not even saying that way, but uh, I was just thinking you just don't want someone <laughs> to go in, into a and then steal a nuclear reactor uh, and do something yeah. that they shouldn't do. Uh, but I mean, absolutely. even your, your, your point around the end users as well, another big discussion, I know the infrastructure maintenance community is quite involved in that, um, how do we not only educate the end user to how they use the infrastructure uh, and also their carbon footprint because of what they are consuming, but then how does that can be cascaded down um, to, to, to the eyeballs? Uh, and then your points around finance and regulation, I mean, two massive, massive topics, two shifting topics um, as well. Finance is changing. Regulations are just going to drop on the interest. It's not a drop. It's a lot of them are coming in. Um, very quickly now so it's going to be very interesting um, i was going to say another big thing and i mean so going back a few years when we are children we are taught on how to recycle um sure. and we say we need to cycle to save the planet and all that but there was something that doesn't seem to happen as much um in some of the world's largest industries and in the data center space there is something that also still is in the early stages so how important do you think recycling of hardware is um, and this is where I think circular comes in because circular that's the circles is SS. Um, how, how important it is that we are doing this now uh, to really give a second life to, to this hardware? Well, I think the, the, the conversation of waste is a, is a really interesting one. And to answer your question about the importance, um, the, I think what we have is the benefit of time right hmm. now in the sense that our industry it's been around for a while. It's been around since before I was born and um, it's you know constantly innovating. But I don't think that it's become a mature industry yet compared to other industries such as agriculture and media. When you look at the, the agriculture industry, they're completely, well, mostly waste-free. When you look at mass producers of meat um, and they essentially, to, to be very crude, use every part of the, uh, the animal as some mm. kind of produce or, or a byproduct. Um, and I think in the data center space and the ICT sector, um, we're sort of really early on and we have the ability to shape these cultures moving forward. Um, I think when we look at the, the waste, there's four types of waste that I, I can think of just off the top of my head. One of them, of course, is the, the construction waste, which is a bit rarer. We don't really see so much construction waste because it's not very often that an entire data center is demolished. Uh, mm -hmm. But to counteract that, I mean, we could, again, new data centers have the, the benefit here because they can build sustainability into the, the, the model, right? So, for example, using um, sustainable materials like recyclable concrete, recycled and recyclable concrete. Um, uh, again, it's not as, as common as the other types of waste that we see. Uh, but I think it's a, definitely an important place to take a look at. Probably some other people have some more expertise that could share some some knowledge with you on that one. Um, and then we look at the uh, the IT waste, uh, which has been gaining a lot of popularity in the past few years, and it's been sort of breeding its own multi-billion-dollar industry. Um, mm -hmm. Is what do we do with the servers at the end of their lifespan? Um, now, the, the, the average uh, shelf life of a server is about eight to 10 years if it's used properly. Uh, in most enterprise applications, a server is refreshed every five years. 
Um, there are various reasons for this: energy efficiency and um, and high quality components and, and sort of bleeding edge technology are, are some of them. Um, but what do we do at the end of this waste? Um, to give you a statistic, 50 million tons of e-waste are generated on a yearly basis, and only 20% is recycled. The rest is sent to landfill, and part of it is um, repurposed. Now, I, I like to highlight, um, as part of my one pillar of collaboration, I'd really like to highlight that there are some amazing initiatives right now, such as IT Renew, uh, OCP, TechBuyer, Sadasi, who are really educating the market uh, and providing proactive ways of recycling and reusing these uh, these IT assets, like the servers, for example. Um, in some cases, they take the servers, they refurbish them themselves, and then they sell it onto the second-hand market. And all of this because they were able to, to educate uh, the market mm -hmm. on how to do this. Mm -hmm. And then we look at the hyperscalers and some of the uh, R2-certified recycling centers dedicated to stripping down these, these IT components and providing an accurate way and a sustainable way of recycling them. Um, these are great initiatives right now that are taking place mm -hmm. in the industry that I think, um, to, to use your, your phrasing, will definitely bleed down uh, and should bleed down into the, um, the rest of the industry. Um, the next type of waste that we see is, is M&E infrastructure waste, uh, which is where surplus is, is, is really active in. And this is a tricky one um, because it's uh, when, when you look at the end of a life cycle of a crack unit or a UPS, these assets can be used for 10, 15, sometimes 20 years if you're really, really stretching it. Um, but there are cases when the assets are purchased and then they're just not used to their full capacity because the strategy, the, the data center strategy of the owner changes for whatever reason. Uh, what is done with those, those assets right now is that they're either scrapped or just kept in storage for spare part. Mm. And in some instances, they're, they're recycled. Uh, I think it's really, really important to have a plan for the end of the, uh, the life cycle of these kinds of assets, to have a very clear plan of saying, okay, we're going to be recycling these assets by the end of year nine, for instance, and we're going to do it with a recycling partner who is certified in this kind of space. Um, and we're going to put this into our business model right now. Alternatively, at the end of year five, we're going to resell it on the secondhand market, which hmm. offsets to some extent, to some extent offsets scope three emissions, which is a, a very, very big uh, touch point right now. And then obviously what this does is it obviously creates uh, more, space for uh, sustainability. Um, again, some challenges that we see with m and &E waste uh, is uh, being, I say waste, but end of life assets being reused in another space um, is the inherent reliability uh, uh, challenges um, when, you know, it, it's mostly, you want to have something which you can rely on for the next five to 10 years. Um, you want to have assets that you don't have to spend too much on in terms of servicing it and repairing it. Um, mm. And of course, you want to have the most energy efficient uh, assets. But of course, there are times when something from five, six years ago will do the same job. Um, and the way that I like to see it is as such. We look at reliability in so many different aspects of our lives. We will, as people happily purchase a second-hand car, which is driven for 150,000, 200,000 miles by someone else or maybe multiple people. And when we sit in one of those cars and we put our hands on the steering wheel, we're entrusting our lives in <laughs> one, of those, one of those machines that we don't know the history of. So hmm. 
why can't we apply the same to M&E assets? M&E assets where we can see the assets physically in person and we can see documented service history and maintenance records. Why can't we do the same? And if reliability is an issue, purchase two instead of one. We can definitely build redundancy into this. Um, but I also think that there should be more uh, attention given to recycling these assets rather than just uh, uh, sort of repurposing them. The same way that IT assets have a lot of uh, recycling initiatives around them, I definitely think uh, now is a really good time uh, to build these recycling initiatives as we see a lot of the, the legacy data centers going through their refresh rates right now over the next three years since the past couple of years. I think now is a great time to build these initiatives. Hmm. That, that, that's interesting. So how do you reach out to operators and, and get the pieces from them? Because um, as you said, the next year is going to be interesting because I guess we're reaching the phase now. It's been about 10 years um, since the big, big expansion started um, in the industry. So I guess we're starting this cycle, which will not have an end to it because every year exactly. is just another celebration of the last 10 years. Um, so how, how do you collaborate with them? Well, as Circular, um, to, to give you and the audience a little bit of information about what it is that our platform uh, is doing, we've... To simplify it, we've built an eBay for the data center industry. Yeah. Uh, we've built a peer-to-peer -peer exchange for secondhand hardware. Um, we don't restrict ourselves from any types of assets. Um, we we don't restrict ourselves from trading, for example, IT assets uh, like servers and switches. But we see predominantly that we're dealing with m and &E assets, um, purely because I think there are other uh, initiatives that are doing this that are robust and uh, um, they have their place in the market. But when it comes to M&E assets, um, we enable a second life for infrastructure hardware through our marketplace. Um, we have a list of global partners, uh, about 64 partners in over 30 countries. Uh, we have a huge audience that we, uh, we, we market to on a weekly basis. Um, and in, in, in sort of support to our growing uh, platform, we actually decommission and remove M&E assets uh, ourselves from a data center operator uh, that needs to retrofit their facility. And in fact, we're currently doing this as we speak. Um, and that's one way that we help uh, uh, operators to bridge the gap. Uh, and we take the workload off their hands uh, and make accessing circular economy and contributing to sustainability easier for everyone. Okay. Uh, and I guess the circular economy is also very good for emerging markets, so markets where maybe the capital is not there to build um, with the latest technology and the latest assets um, in, in the marketplace. Um, how does this circular economy idea, how does this recycling second life um, really help new frontier and developing markets? Circular economy benefits everyone. <laughs> this is, uh, this is the, the one thing that I really want to... Uh, uh, shout to the world is that being circular is beneficial to everyone. Um, we look at emerging markets such as Eastern Europe and Africa. For example, Africa has the fastest growing digital economy in the world. Um, and fantastic. We're seeing a lot of uh, uh, investment going into Africa and a lot of cable landing stations around there. Um, same with uh, with Eastern Europe. It's a, it's a huge uh, emerging market. Um, and globally, we see about 27,000 people joining the internet on a daily basis. Um, this method of circular economy, speaking primarily about the product side and not going into the processor side, which is a completely different aspect of circular economy. Um, what this can do is it enables 
markets that don't necessarily have the capex to have access to really high quality infrastructure that has been used by established and trusted data centers around the world and it allows them to get online quicker. One thing that we see is that some of the lead times for acquiring infrastructure assets are huge uh, to the point where they're sometimes 12 to 18 months. Mm-hmm. This time gap could be a make or break deal for the operator that's looking to acquire these assets. If they don't get the equipment on time, their business model might not work properly. So if we're able to provide them high quality infrastructure hardware at low rates, at a very, very short lead time, that enables them to prosper. And then also it enables the operator on this side that's selling the assets to be more sustainable, to reduce to some extent, to the extent which is reasonable, their scope through emissions, and of course, position themselves as a green premium company, which is focused uh, on environmental conservation and circular economy. And that's exactly where Circular comes in. We come to bridge the gap between uh, companies that have a need to get rid of their, well, operators that need to get rid of their infrastructure hardware and operators around the world that need to have access to this hardware but don't have the time to wait and don't have the capex to spend right now. Okay, uh, and I'm guessing the the even the name Circular comes from the idea of circular economy. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, well, at least it makes sense because I always like to know where the names come from. I think it's an important part of the business to understand the story behind the the, the, the name. Um, I mean, it's only logical. It's only logical, you know. Yeah. The circular economy <laughs> was the, the the sort of DNA of Circular. So we, uh, yeah, look at the company rather. So we decided let's name it Circular. You know, it yeah. only it only makes sense. Well spotted. No, I think it's good. Uh, and then I was going to ask this to quickly finish because we we are kind of running out of time now. Uh, but sure. um, what's very briefly? What's the plans for Circular for the next 12, 18 months? Uh, and how can people find out more information and get involved? Well, obviously, grow, grow, grow. Um, yeah. <laughs> what we, uh, of course, I, I stand by the, uh, the the three pillars of sustainability that I mentioned earlier, which is educate, innovate, collaborate, and then mm. ultimately we have to celebrate. You know, um, I think what we look to do over the next couple of months or the next year or so is really bring the idea more to market and educate the market about how it's okay to purchase secondhand infrastructure. You know. Again, I like to make the analogy of the car. If we're okay with buying a secondhand car, I think it should be the same case with infrastructure hardware. Granted, there are it's not as simple and straightforward as that. I make it sound yes. very, very simple, but of course there are, there are uh, different challenges. Uh, but let's bridge the gap. Let's bridge the gap. If, if our diesel fuel tanks are being replaced with hydrogenated vegetable oil to bridge the gap between hydrogen fuel and diesel, I think we should also look at bridging the gap between reusing secondhand hardware and supporting the the SDIA's 2030 goals of having a huge amount of infrastructure resold uh, on secondhand markets. And of course, we want to make sure that the world understands sustainability is profitable for everyone and it's a win-win-win situation for everybody involved. Absolutely. So if people want to find out more very briefly, how can they can do so? Uh, well, please, uh, for, for all the, uh, the, the the viewers, and uh, of course, Joel, thank you again for having me on. It's been a pleasure to speak with you. For everyone else, uh, thank you so much for watching. And you can definitely visit our website, www.circler.tech, tech as in short for technology. Um, and alternatively, uh, reach out to me directly on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm more than happy to, uh, to, to get together on a, on a video call or, uh, or a, 
an email chain. Or if you're based in London, uh, you can reach out to me. And um, I'm always happy to go and sit down and have a coffee and, and speak about data centers and sustainability. Sounds great. Uh, Bardia, thanks so much for coming on board. Um, and thank you, our thank viewers, you. for tuning to JSA TV Live. Don't forget to check our social channels for more content. And until next time, happy networking. Thank you.